Hello, this is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast, and welcome back! This is Hi. your host, Kyle Bird. Yeah, and, and who? Wh- what was that, that golden voice that we just heard? I am at Happy to be here as always. Uh, don't don't get too uh, too excited just yet, Matt. Well, with us we have well. It's, first of all, it's October, and in October you can usually count on an appearance from the thir- this third party. Introduce what? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Brett Kavanaugh is here to <laughs> talk about Japanese horror movies with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh yes, that that voice you just heard was actually <laughs> was actually our friend Tom. Uh and you've heard him uh, on many episodes, but uh he's always around the Halloween season, he really gets down on them uh, scary pictures. I really go down on a lot of things on Halloween. <laughs> And, uh, yes, um, this is our third Halloween season. Wow. Um, I know time flies, right? Uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, uh, this is when you can count on us to, uh, do a series of episodes about some, uh, sometimes obscure, sometimes not, uh, Japanese horror films. And we have an exciting slate for this month, um, and we're going to start off small uh, with a couple of uh, short features. Now, is there anything that uh, we should cover first? Is there anything, any hot topics in the world of uh, of kaiju that anyone wants to talk about? Hmm. Nothing, really. I mean... There's, there's not been much King of the Monsters news or anything, other than like every time that Monarch Sciences website does like anything, there's like a, a screen rant article posted about it. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> we, we got our look like, at, at Ghidorah from the Star Eater. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that might be the scariest thing we'll see all <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> he's a. Um, He's a living gravity beam now. And he'll probably be yeah. in it for about five seconds. And then he'll get absorbed by Godzilla. Yeah. Sounds about someone right. someone made that someone made that prediction and, and I and just uh I'm I'm just commandeering it as my own. Someone was like, <laughs> he's gonna be a living gravity beam and he's gonna be in it for like a couple minutes and then Godzilla's just gonna absorb him That's and be reaction. super ultra Godzilla. Will the Mothra egg hatch? We take bets. Does anybody think it'll hatch? <laughs> uh, I feel like it's going to crack, like, and that'll be like the end of the movie. <laughs> no part of me uh, would be surprised if the egg didn't hatch. Damn, I think Tom just told us what to hatch. I, f- I feel like I don't even have to watch the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> Seen it. Oh, hey, the, F- the FDA issued a warning about black licorice for Halloween. Really? Why? It tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a real FDA warning? <laughs> How long were you saving that joke, that joke for today? <laughs> I'm not a I'm not I'm not a black licorice guy. Old people love it though. Yeah, I don't get They're it. They're always eating uh what's that can good and plenty. Good and plenty? Yeah. Oh. 
I think I'd rather lick the inside of an ashtray. <laughs> uh, there's um, there's a lot of stuff going on this this month. Um, and uh, are you guys, uh, Tom? I know you're doing trying to do TV, and we have the stuff we want to watch for the podcast. Uh, Matt, do you have any? Um, Anything that you're doing uh, horror movie-wise? I know you're trying to get through the Elm Streets. What else is in your... Yeah, I bought the Halloween box set. I have so you, a couple... You did get things. that. You did get yeah, that. Yeah, I got the Halloween box set. Okay, yeah, because so, that's I'll out watch. of print now. Like, online, it's expensive, so... Yeah. I got it for, like, six bucks thanks to gift cards, so thank you, people that love me. Well, uh, is that the one... Does that, have, does that have both versions of six on it? I don't think so. I haven't even like I I pulled the peeled the wrapper out, but I haven't even like cracked it open because I mean you can get six on a separate disc for like six bucks now. So. Well, you can get the producer's cut yeah, for yeah, like yeah, six yeah, bucks yeah, now, but yeah. getting the actual theatrical cut is actually not easy. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just have a random. I'm try. I'm gonna try and mix it up and do a lot of stuff I haven't seen. A lot of stuff I have seen. You know, you got to get some Universal movies through in there. You gotta. You know, there's stuff I like to watch around this time of year every year. Yeah. Um, movie wise i'm sticking like with just favorites generally other than stuff i'll probably watch to be on here again but but yeah i've i've already watched a bunch of a bunch of horror tv going back to september um but i'm i'm pumped for uh since this will be out soon like early enough to warn people warn people <laughs> give them the heads up i guess um channel zero it's on sci-fi channel that is a that is a cool show It'll premiere on the 26th, and then it'll play on the 27th, 28th, uh, 29th, 30th, 31st. The first already, um, uh, they already put it out stre- uh, streaming, but... I'm probably just going to wait Yeah, I, Yeah, because they're going to marathon the whole season, and I just, you know, yeah. I don't want to watch the first episode and wait three weeks. Yeah. What kind of maniac does that? Doesn't uh, Castlevania drop later this month, too? Am I crazy? Season two? I think it does. Castlevania is confirmed for the 26th. I'm actually looking forward to that. I know the first season was... I loved it. I get why some people may not have, but it was a quick watch, and I'm excited for season two. I wouldn't use the word love. I would say it was interesting. I need to watch it again. I mean, it's such a short season. It's been so long since I watched it. that yeah. Nothing really happens. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for that. That's... Um, no, I, I'm... If, as long as like something happens, yeah, and it has a story this time. Well, to, be, been, to be fair, it is basically set up for season yeah. two. It's been one of the better uh, Netflix anime. Uh, oh wait, I have breaking news. Breaking news. Is it that um, King Ghidorah as a sexy woman memes are becoming a uh, thing? No, but we don't need we don't need to deal with that. Um, <laughs> So you guys are familiar with the video game Monster Hunter, where you what do you do? You just walk around and fight giant monsters. Monster or? Hunter is awesome, but it's not, yeah, basically you kill monsters. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, it has been announced that so you're aware that Paul W. S. Anderson, uh, the Resident Evil guy, is making a movie uh, with um, uh, Mila Jovovich, Tony Jaa, and Ron Perlman. Okay. It has been announced today that Toho. Has added uh, uh has um added themselves as uh one of the it's gonna be a a co production with Toho, uh, uh and Sony. 
Man, what could go wrong between Toho and the Sony co-production? <laughs> <laughs> and Constantine uh, Productions from Germany. Uh, so, uh, American co Yeah, Toho and Sony. Th- that's... Holy. That's the perfect <laughs> comment. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not sure uh, what Constantine out of Germany, what their track record is, but this could very well be like the Three Stooges trying to make a big budget video game adaptation. But uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure anyone who uh, is a huge Monster Hunter fan is probably already out on this. Just hearing that Paul W.S. Anderson is making it. (laughs) So for Um, you, because you're all about the Resident (laughs) Evil. Well, I'm not a huge Monster Hunter fan either, right? Like, I I played some of the Resident Evil games. I played one, two a little bit less, and three. Um, and by the time uh, Anderson is through the second movie, he's out of those three games. So he's into just madness town. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, he does not he does not give an f about your game <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> i mean he did all right with mortal Kombat. like that wasn't the worst thing that could have been made part two might have been but the first one yeah but i mean he does not care about your game he does not care about the story yeah if, if all the if all the weebs out there are gonna looking for like a faithful adaptation of a game that i mean I play Monster Hunter, the the recent one, and people are complaining about that. So I, there, <laughs> this is a, this is interesting though. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, Toho hasn't really done like a big co production like that in, since what, like the sixties or something. Uh, I mean, international co production. Oh, okay, I didn't realize Monster Hunter was a Capcom game. That explains the Japanese connection. Well, this will be interesting, guys. <laughs> Not since. Not since 1998 have these two superpowers come together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we all know how that turned out, right? <laughs> Sony and Toho, back, back at last. Back together at last. <laughs> hey, at least we have Mila. Maybe the Wesker, is... what, the Wesker guy might be in it. Oh. You love that guy. That guy is amazing. I wish I knew his, his name. <laughs> <laughs> I just know him as Wesker. Sean Roberts. Sean Roberts. <laughs> uh, yeah, if anyone here hasn't seen the Resident Evil movies, the guy that plays Wesker is... I don't know what he's doing. He's history's greatest treasure is what he's doing. <laughs> I can't tell you enough. If they, if they announce that Sean Roberts is in Monster Hunter, I'm there day one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're... Uh, did I say this already? Well, I don't think I made a pun out of it earlier, so I'll do that now. We're going to start out small. Literally, I think that's the exact pun you made. Oh. Well, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I don't know if people knew it was a pun the first time. So uh, I have, we have two, I guess they're, they're shorts or semi-features. Um, I don't think either of them exceed 60 minutes, um, which is pretty much, that was pretty much the hook to get Tom on here, because I feel like he'll watch anything if it's... Under an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, um, and they are body horror shorts. And um, that's uh, kind of the theme here. There's actually some other Japanese body horror shorts that I was thinking about, um, you know, maybe throwing in here also. There's one called Cyclops, but I couldn't find any subtitles for it. 
then there's also uh, one of Sukamoto, uh, one of his short films from before Tetsuo. I found it on YouTube in a few parts, like just like two days ago. Mm. <clears throat> so I don't know. I maybe... like Tetsuo. Yeah, Tetsuo is awesome. Um, have you seen two or three? I've seen two. I didn't like it as much. Yeah, I, I two is okay. I don't like it as much as one, and then three I wasn't, I wasn't too into. Tsukamoto in general is really good. Um, when he's not uh, <clears throat> deciphering incredibly elaborate uh, origami to figure out to <laughs> to pump liquid into Godzilla. <laughs> um, no, he's he's really good. But um, okay, we we have uh, a a Tsuburaya production from. Uh, Let's see, this was 1985, called Gakidama, also known as Hungry Devil Spirit, also known as The Tasty Flesh. Also is... known as Demon Within. Man, for, what, uh, so, for something no one's ever heard of, this sure does have a lot of titles. That's what Letterboxd <coughs> has it as. It calls it Demon Within. And uh, then in, what is it, 2012... We have uh, Henge or Hen Henge, Hen Hengi, I think is, is yeah yeah uh, is the uh, I guess proper pronunciation or or metamorphosis, which is like the way easier one to say the for normal us. way to say it. Uh, which uh, <laughs> um, is <clears throat> on YouTube and uh, metamorphosis. Um, if you have Toku TV uh, through Amazon or otherwise, it's on there, and uh, I think that's streaming in a few pla- a few uh, a few places. But this is a pair of uh, Japanese body horror um, short semi features. Some some connections to uh, you know some of the kaiju movies, but seems like a good way to get into the Halloween spirit uh, with with uh, baby steps. So uh, I guess we'll we'll go chronologically with Gakidama. Uh, this is based on a short story um, by oh gosh um, I'm gonna take the bullet on this name uh, Baku Yume Baku Yume Makura Baku Yume Makura say that six times fast. He's had a lot of stuff adapted into manga. Um, and, uh, he's probably most known as far as movies go, um, the Own Miyoji, uh, movies that Toho did in the early 2000s were also based on, uh, on some of his stories. But, um, so this is a gross little story. Uh, this is directed by Masayoshi Sakita, who, um, did a lot of uh, music videos, and I think he's primarily known as a photographer. In fact, um, from what I was reading about him, he uh, he <clears throat> did a lot of photos of David Bowie throughout Bowie's career. Um, and, uh, I mean, numerous famous images of David Bowie were probably taken by this guy. Uh, and they were very close, and I think his first photography exhibit overseas was his uh, his Bowie photos. So... Um, this is the only thing he's directed, though. <clears throat> so, uh... Do you, do you know who the co-writer of the movie was? Uh, should I know? Okay, well, n- no, but I'm just... This is <laughs> interesting. So, 
this Baku Yumi Makura was actually he's credited as having written it. So uh, maybe he helped write it. I don't know. Um, but the other co-writer is Atsushi Yamatoya. Okay, and this dude. So he has this film in his uh, in his um, filmography. And uh, what's interesting is uh, I think there's a specific part of the movie that w- that will uh, seem at least inspired, possibly by something this guy brought to the table. When you hear of some of the other things he's written, such as Stray Cat Rock, Sex Hunter, <laughs> um, Wet Sand in August. Uh, Naked Seven, uh, bland, Band Book, Flesh Futon. This guy sounds <laughs> awesome. And then, and oh, I'm looking, he, uh, now I'm on his IMDb, and now in the, in the middle of, like, he, all of these, there's just random loop in the third <laughs> episodes. And uh, then as director, he has directed um, Trap of Lust and Inflatable Sex Doll of the Wastelands. So... <laughs> this guy is sweet. <laughs> well, since we're doing a personnel rundown, I think most relevant to uh, this podcast is this is the first movie uh, that Shinichi Wakasa did the creatures and effects for. And uh, I mean, he would go on to make um, the bulk of uh, Toho monster suits um, starting in like the mid 90s all the way through Final Wars. Um, and I mean, that's just his kaiju stuff. I mean, he's done a whole lot of, uh, of, uh, other work, um, Ultraman stuff. Uh, I mean, he's, he's pretty prolific, but yeah, this is, uh, where he got his start. Um, and like I mentioned, this is, a uh, a Tsuburaya production and, um, uh, uh, from the looks of it, Akira Tsuburaya was kind of at the helm at this point. Um, now in 85, um, the company was really in a strange place uh, because um, they had Ultraman 80. uh, And then after that, it was really just kind of random things here and there. Some movies like the Ultraman Zafi uh, compilation, um, Ultraman story, um, and, uh, you know, maybe five or six TV shows compare that to their output even now and that's like nothing and then some some random movies like um uh anime chan which is the a kids movie that noriaki yuasa the gamera guy did and it's about pigmon buska and uh tamigan uh anyway it's about them they get into hijinks and and whatnot uh and but yeah it's a lot of co-productions and you know really kind of just uh floating around you know that's when they teamed up with hannah barbera for that ultraman adventure begins uh and then they stuff like uh the ivory ape and um just co-productions with random american companies overseas uh and this is also when uh direct-to-video became uh a thing uh well not just in japan but kind of everywhere but uh, yeah, I mean, from the 80s into the 90s and early 2000s, um, you know, you in Japan, uh, straight to video was like a market where, you know, it, the same time in the States, it was where you'd find like full moon and stuff like that. But in Japan, it really took off and a lot of people were like uh, just doing these things that would just come straight to video and um, video stores would just 
buy them and people would rent them or buy them and uh this was one of those um so when straight to vhs ruled the world um we got uh gakidama which is um uh well i'll let one of you gentlemen uh tackle the plot synopsis uh but it's clearly inspired well not only by you know body horror and that kind of 80s monster movie, but also uh, it's kind of Japan's answer to the little impish, uh, troublesome creatures. Like, over here we had gremlins, critters, ghoulies, munchies. Munchies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hobgoblins. Um, I mean, there's a laundry list of those. Um so, yes, one of you volunteer to break down what exactly Agakidama is and what this whole thing's about, anyway. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it a stab. Tom, you chime in and, like, say things when I'm screwing up. But the uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically, there is a reporter, photographer, and he's assigned to go and look for ghosts and take photographs. Except they actually see one, and it's this big, it's basically a, a ball of light called a Hitadama. And Hitadamas were essentially thought to be, the folklore is they were thought to be spirits that were essentially like waiting to cross over, typically from like some sort of tragic event. This spirit ends up turning into a worm and crawls into his ear. And he doesn't realize it. Later on, he starts getting sick and puking. And um, his wife is getting really creeped out. And as he's going through all this, this weird guy comes into his house and he's got scars on his face. And what we find out later is that guy also had a, uh, this Gakidama creature inside of him. You basically puke it up and it mutilates your face. The, this guy with the scars on his face, eventually, for reasons that I still don't understand, they decide, hey, a really great idea would be if we cook this thing and eat it. Um, and so we have that plot part. We have a part well, it's supposedly on. super tasty. Yeah, yeah, they, they it's, talk it's, about how it's it the taste delicious. <laughs> it might be really good, uh, Matt. Don't knock it till you try it. Uh, sure. And then his wife, uh, later on, the Gakidama creature attacks her, and she thinks she drowns it. And later on, it like I don't know if it's what it's exactly doing to her. It gives her an orgasm, and then she ends up <laughs> pregnant. And I can't tell if it's I cannot tell if it's Jason Voorhees, like from Jason Goes to Hell, and crawling up there, like just having sex with her. I don't really know what the hell's going on in that scene, but. The movie ends with this sequence where the husband comes home and now his wife is pregnant with the Gakidama thing. And that's how it ends. And it's just such a bizarre, short, I don't know, yeah, it's something. Very stra- it's, it's very strange. That scene, that scene makes a lot more sense knowing who, who wrote this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, consider it. Yeah, that's true. Although... Because <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's not a short, like... He crawls up her dress, and then like she's like, "Oh!" And then it cuts. No, it's like a, yeah. it's a pretty long, like uh, drawn out, uncomfortable. She's having fun with it, kind of thing, and you're not sure yeah. what's. <laughs> oh, you know what? This guy, this Man. guy, the the perv that that wrote the screenplay also, um, uh, he. Well, I I don't know if either of you are familiar, but uh, like if there's any cinephiles uh, in the Japanese cult movies, he uh, co-wrote "Branded to Kill." The Seijin Suzuki movie, which is like, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty s- sweet kind of Yakuza movie. Uh, I recommend mm. it. But, um, but yeah, it's on Criterion. Like, that's a pretty well-known movie. 
But other than that, it's all Lupin the Third and weird, erotic, <laughs> like <laughs> horror stuff. So, um, Matt, you, Matt, you did overlook one important uh, plot point: is that oh, please, please elaborate. Okay. So there's there's actually a couple. One is um, is that it's a it's a photographer and a writer who go to look for yeah. the ghosts, and they crawls into the writer's ear. Uh, the photographer um, is busy, like looking for the ghost or something, and it crawls into the writer's ear. The other is um, that not 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 just in addition to getting sick, but he gets super super hungry. It's this uncontrollable. Appetite. Oh yeah, forgot about that part. <laughs> um, and he like eats he eats like crazy um, to the point where his wife finds him like in the fridge, just like devouring stuff with his hands. Um, and then the last thing We've is there's a, there's a, a sort of a side plot or subplot, whatever, where at some point, somehow the photographer also has gotten this Gakidama in him because, uh, after the writer gives, gives birth essentially, um, to, to the little demon, um, he goes out for lunch with the photographer and he notices that the photographer is like eating and eating and eating and won't stop eating. And so he's like, Oh, he's got this inside of him. And, um, he's like now trying to get this guy drunk or whatever to knock him out. So he can eat the gaki dama that comes out of him. While the guy with the scars on his face is also trying to eat the gaki dama that comes out. Cause they're, they, it's the tasty flesh. Like well, Bird I, said, well so they, they, they do say, um, I they both want to try to eat it. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess part of the rules or lore or whatever is that that's the cure for the hunger. Is like if you eat them, like it'll go away. Yeah, but then it's so delicious they can't stop. And so whenever there's a gakidama, the scarred guy shows up and he tries to. He just like walks into people's houses. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there, there's some. There is a bit of lore that I found regarding, like, you have the Hitodama, which is the, well, in, in the in the original like folklore, the Hitodama were again part of like a some sort of tragedy, and the spirits were basically waiting to uh, be venerated by their ancestors. But then the Gakidama, um, basically, in the original like folklore, the idea behind it is they became when a person was evil, they became this thing that would go around and eat. It started off with like dead bodies, so they would somebody would die and they would feast on dead bodies, and then like then it became more crazy with like feces, and then it just started eating everything in sight. So that's where that kind of comes from. And I was wondering if you guys thought this was like a take because they're eating the gaki dama instead. It was trying to flip that on its head, and we just because we're not familiar with the folklore, maybe it was just something that doesn't like come through. But when I watched the movie and that plot point comes across, I just kind of like shrugged and just. It's a thing that happens in the movie, but it doesn't really do anything for me. I was wondering how you guys felt about that. Uh, Apparent, apparently nothing. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, well, I tried, it, right? I mean, hey, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is a this is a tough movie for me because I don't know. It's there's like some things to like, right? Like, and I, I can't. I wish I had written down the the specific moment, but like. There is a moment, at least one, that I think is intentionally humorous. So I think there's some intentional humor. There's a few in there. There's, um, yeah. I, then there's then there's one that I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a, a joke or humor. 
or if it was just kind of a, a bit of a rough translation because while he's eating um someone makes a comment you're not gaining weight as you're eating and i'm like well that that's not really how <laughs> eating works <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then there's like some some i would imagine unintentional comedy but like um you know like when it's when in, when the little demon thing is hopping around like it's kind of cute and funny looking um and then also like you know when she's fighting it in the bathtub like that is it, it's just a bad effect or whatever it was it's just like so there's some humor to go around with it um and there's some style obviously and and some decent effects um but there's and there's just not a lot to to chew on chew on i don't know it, it needed like it, it, it needed more lore you know yeah, like it needed, I, I honestly needed uh, well you said this when we were talking uh you know off air but i think this is something that like um might benefit from actually being a little longer where they can really kind of flesh out the i guess the, the rules and the all that stuff and there there's more interesting ideas in there um that i think just by virtue of it being so short isn't really expanded um like if we're going to talk about the characters with the the two um the husband and the wife you know the wife is talking a, a lot about how she wants a baby uh, you know and you know they couldn't have a kid and uh there's a weird kind of um subtext to uh the fact that he births this creature and there's even is you know it's it sounds kind of silly when i say it but you know that she might have some kind of jealousy that he birthed this thing and then she's going to give birth to it at the end and um i don't know i think that's kind of territory that could have been explored more with more runtime also when she's the one who doesn't want to like kill it you know right at first (laughs) um so yeah that that's definitely and and yeah like matt kind of touched on it though too is like yeah maybe maybe we just don't get it because we don't know like it's it's a Japanese folk legend or whatever. So yeah, well, it's not I, something I didn't that, even like, realize uh, that it was like a, you know, in Japanese culture, the, that is like a, you know, a folk thing until he said it, <laughs> you know, yeah, earlier so like, today. So, uh, so yeah, no, I think maybe there's some cultural barriers also. You know, it'd be like if you made like a 55 minute, like, I don't know, Bigfoot or um, like, Try and think of some other like if you made like a fifty-five minute like Paul Bunyan movie with like Babe the Big Blue Ox and whatever, and people would be like, <laughs> yeah, what no the, one would know what what the hell, hell is going on here, you know? Like, um, but it's just something that like as an American, like you you know, because it's your it's your folklore, right? So, um, so that's that's a possibility, right? But as as an American viewer, I'm sitting there like I need need a little bit more here, you know, like. As an uh, uncultured need... plebe. Yeah. <laughs> I think Scar Guy is sort of like the, the biggest issue that I have with it because well, he... Well, that, that, kind of, Go ahead. that kind of ties into my biggest issue with it, right? In terms of just, um, well, plot issue. Because I think my biggest issue is that at 55 minutes, it feels a little drawn out, like for what's in there. Um, it could have been tightened up for what's in there. But um, 
my biggest like plot issue, right, is the guy with the scar face. He's got the scar face because he birthed one of these things and it ripped his face. It ripped his its way out of his face. When our main character births one, the scar guy is like, "Oh, it ripped your jaw off." <laughs> and and then like in the very next scene where our main character is in it, his face is fine. Yeah, he says something about like you better get to the hospital, or you're gonna have scars or some crap. But it's very like if anything came out of your face like that, you would just be dead. I mean, like it's coming out of like it, the way that the creature comes out, like his throat's like expanding in this very grotesque and pretty neat effect, and he's like you know spewing blood out. I mean, it, it's it's really neat to watch, but. I, I don't know. Scarred guy is where for me it goes sideways because he's there and he appears out of nowhere and there's really no explanation. He, for some reason, knows whenever there's going to be a Gakidama. I'm not sure if they ever explain that. And then his whole goal is to eat it. And it, everything kind of feels very disjointed and disconnected and honestly kind of pointless. And, and Bird, you touched about you know the, the subtext, which actually that would have been a great thing to explore, but they don't do anything. It just all feels very... Like they're they're just giving us some grotesque body horror, kind of for the sake of it, with some sex thrown in, and that's what it felt like for me. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ideas that are cool, but could have been expanded. I think if it was like a you know a longer feature, the guy, the man, the like. Jeez, I almost said it when I was supposed to say last, but I almost said it first. The the scar guy doesn't really bother me. He's just. I don't know, he just seemed kind of like your classic man in black kind of uh, archetype guy. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, uh, I, I, I don't think it adds up to a very cohesive whole. One question I have for you guys is when they eat, when they're eating... Were, was that supposed to be them actually eating the Gakidama, or did the guy trick him and make him think they were eating it? I, I was wondering that while because, I was watching it. Because, too. like, this, the, the, before this, that is, like, you know, when he's saying, like, it's actually really good, like, I'll show you how to cook it just right. And then, like, towards the end of that, like, he says something about, like, it, them haven't, they haven't actually eaten it yet or something, and then he's still hungry. And I don't know if that was just, like, the... It, I feel like it might have just been a, an issue with the translation, like, the subtitle, but I... That was left kind of gray for me. There's a part when they're waiting for his friend to have the next Gakidama where they talk about, well, you already showed me how to cook it. I know how to do it. I don't need your help anymore. You can leave. So I took that to kind of confirm that they did eat it before, but I, I don't know. Hmm. So but it's, yeah, know. it's a weird thing too, where it's supposed to, it's supposed to cure eating. One is supposed to cure your hunger, or whatever. But at the same time, they've both eaten one, and they want more. That had to, there had to have been something going on with the subtitles there. Yeah, like maybe it's something where it's the only thing you can eat from then on, or something. You know, like so you you can pacify yourself by eating one, and also like. Where did the man in black get the one that he cooked for the writer? Because the demon. Yeah, yeah, because that, that also, because that would also, because if they did actually eat it, that would also imply that there was a third one that we don't know about. Yeah. So I'm tempted to say he might have tricked him and 
Because there was like a line at the end of that dinner scene that I didn't. I don't know. It must have just. It might have just been translated weird. But like to me, it kind of felt like he might have not actually like cooked it for him. But I don't know. Yeah, that had to have been a translation error because that's the only thing I can think of. Um. Uh. Well, I am a huge body horror guy, so uh, I mean. Cronenberg's the master, and everyone else is like far down the totem pole. But uh, yeah, these are the the actual like um, effects of the things moving inside people and all that gross out stuff uh, was pretty cool. Um, uh, the creature itself uh, is a little silly looking, but I, I think Tom, you alluded to this earlier. I think the only real issues come from like when it's like walking or jumping yeah yeah well the it's the jumping kind of, it's is cute awkward, <laughs> yeah, yeah it kind of is um <laughs> but but really i think i even think when it's jumping it, it's yeah it's cute but like i mean it's got that it's still got like a i don't want to say ethereal but it's certainly not a natural quality to it R- really the only time i think the creature itself comes across bad um is when it's in the bathroom scene it's it's way too well lit yeah i was gonna say that's probably when it's in shadows and stuff I, it, it works best it reminded me have you guys seen trilogy of terror yeah the, the what do they call it the, the little zuni doll yeah. yeah he reminded me of that thing a little bit creature's cool i kind of just concur with what tom said like there's some parts where it looks kind of cute and charming at other times when it, it looks a bit hokey, but I, I, I really do. I love critters and I love little, you know, ghoulish, ghoulish <laughs> creatures. And so like the design of the creature itself is pretty awesome. There's some parts when like it's attacking the lady's shoulder and stuff when it's being thrown around and the legs are like flailing about where I thought, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of hokey. But aside from that, like I, I, I dig the creature well enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll say it's, it's not a bad thing if it, looks a little cute right i mean nah. we all like we all like gremlins and we all like critters and we all like uh ghoulies and, and like especially critters like i love critters and i would love to have a critters plush so like <laughs> uh, it, it's it's it doesn't it doesn't matter if like your villains are, are a little bit cute so it's it's just a, a fact of the creature he's like he's a little cute um yeah and for uh well um Hold on, I'm trying to see. Uh, Shinichi Wakasa was 25 when he did this, so he was really young. Um, and probably about 18 cents to do it. Yeah, and probably, I mean, I IMDb has him as the only credited effects guy. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there was probably a small crew, but uh, I mean, even if it's, if, it, if especially if it was just him, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And- yeah, I mean, yeah, the movie shows that it's low budget, but I mean, so sometimes that's impressive, you know, when you could tell something's low budget, but at least even parts of it look like they kind of are um, up to standard with with contemporary stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. It's interesting that uh, Tsuburaya Productions didn't really dabble in horror or gore a lot. Uh, we did the Echo Echo Azarak movies uh, last year, um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> the, the, they haven't done anything this gross before or since. Uh, and yeah, considering the timing, I think this is just another like, hey, we're trying to figure out interesting things to do since, you know, we're not doing a whole lot of Ultraman stuff. So here's this. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have any like real gripes with it. It was just kind of there. I, it did have kind of a, a kind of an EC Comics uh, like kind of vibe. Like it, it felt kind of like an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, um, meaning like uh, it's not like uh, you know Tales from the Crypt good, but it's not like uh, you know a bottom of the barrel like horror anthology either so uh um you know it's it's a decent enough time waster and um yeah it it could easily fit in with one of those horror anthology shows like tales from the dark side or monsters or or what have you um yeah so yeah i mean i i i wouldn't say it's great but i wouldn't say you know oh this sucks and you shouldn't check it out either i mean if you like practical effects and body horror and just weird, bizarre Japanese stories and, you know, you got, you know, about an hour to kill, I mean, check it out. I, I would I would say, why not? Why not? Yeah, That's a good, uh, that, why not? Those two words are a good uh, summary of kind of how <laughs> I feel about it. I'm, I'm maybe just a smidge less than you on it, you know, where I, I, I would say, yeah, it, you know, I mean... If you've kind of ping-ponged everywhere else already, sure. Um, you know, so I mean, I, that applies to, to you know, at least Bird, you know, um, that that you've already seen, like, so much. Like, why not? Um, but I think you can do better. Um, and, and, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. If, if it had been... 20 30 minutes longer and really expanded the lore and really kind of pushed some of that stuff over the top i would even if that stuff wasn't necessarily particularly good but was just maybe a little bit more satisfying i would push it into i would probably push it into like a light recommendation and if it had been like 20 20 minutes shorter um and you know kind of cut some of the fat you know there's some scenes where like I think there's a solid like two minute scene of of the wife climbing the stairs, for example. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, if you if you cut some of the fat and chop it down by twenty minutes, which I mean, you'd have to cut some other things too. But I mean, um, for all the places that the uh, or for all the potential of the other guy having uh, the 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 photographer having the gakidama inside of him, that doesn't necessarily really go anywhere. Um, so you could cut it down by 20 minutes. I would like give it again, uh, I might give it a, a little bit of a stronger recommendation cause I'd be like, Oh, 30 minutes or even 40 minutes. Yeah. Check it out, you know, cause it's got good effects, but it's at that weird spot where it's like, it's, it's too long to be quick and it's too short to be super, super interesting. Um, it's in a, it's in a weird spot for me so I, I might give it a light recommendation but i'd say make sure you've checked out you know some other stuff first for sure yeah i mean 
I am kind of on the opposite end where like, if you love body horror, I think the one thing that works for this would be there's some really good effects in the brevity, which you guys already talked about. But if you're not big into body horror, I would say pass on this. I, I don't think it's great. I was honestly kind of bored with it. It took me two viewings to get through it. And I was tired the first time. But for a movie that short, I felt like there wasn't enough substance there to keep me entertained where like I didn't want to put pause on it and go upstairs and go to bed. So from that standpoint, like, eh, I could do without it. I don't care if I'll ever watch it again. If you love body horror and if you got 50 minutes to kill, give it a shot. But otherwise, I would say pass. So how many uh, pervy screenwriters do you give this uh, out of five? I'm going to go with two. Uh, yeah, I'm at, I'm at two and a half. What was it? Sex dolls of the wasteland? <laughs> Inflatable <laughs> sex dolls of the wasteland. Uh, you know, I'm going to do two and a half, but I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, it's two and a half. It must be crappy. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy two and a half. I mean, it's short. There's interesting ideas. There's cool effects for something that costs like five cents. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're into the body horror stuff, uh, or if you're into the, the uh, little troublesome creature subgenre, you know, there's uh, worse ways to spend your time. So, um, uh, Okay. Um, oh, you know, I didn't mention, I, I do think, I think aside from the bathtub scene, I actually do think it's a pretty good looking just from like a production design and cinematography standpoint, I I I think it it's probably better than it could have been. Yeah, I agree you know, with it, that. It had a solid mood. And the outdoor scenes are surprisingly good looking for something that's so clearly low budget. Yeah, yeah. There's a good atmosphere to it, and I, I guess the production designer, a guy named Osamu Yamaguchi, uh, he'd been with Subaraya since the '60s, so. And how much porn has he directed? <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to get into Henge, or Metamorphosis, or uh, it's the most fun to just say it wrong and say Henge. Yeah, that's how I've been saying it. Yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> so for, for the sake I, of fun, I would rather just call it Henge, even though I know it's wrong. I called it the... Uh, the first henge I've seen that wasn't of the stone variety. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this is a 2011 um, mini feature. Um, and uh, um, this one actually does tie directly into, you know, the, the, the kaiju genre. Uh, you know, that is a place that uh, it does go, um, and we'll we'll get more into that. But um, uh, so we we have some people you may or may not have heard of. The director Hajime Ohata um, looks like the thing most people would know him from is a segment in uh, ABC's of Death Two, um, uh, and those you know those are which, popular movies. Yeah, w- which segment? Uh, he did does it say O for Ochilak. Mm, that might be the one I if it's the one I'm thinking of 
and I'm not 100% sure, it's the one where uh, you have to masturbate and the and the la- the one who finishes first gets to live. Um, and well, I just googled like, it. I th- I think th- <laughs> I think the one you're thinking of is that maybe that might be ABC's of Death One. There's I a lot of sexual tension in these movies. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> What's going on? Um. Anyway. Uh. Oh, it's uh, for Oklahoma. Oh no! That it's actually um. It's actually one of my favorite ones because um, I've seen the ABCs of Death. Okay, movies. I only saw the first um, one. So what's what's O in uh, part two? It's where uh, a girl is put on. Tr- so it's it's post zombie apocalyptic, but um, what happens is after they cure the zombies, you're still a zombie. You just have your 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 memories, right? So like you're still undead. Um, and all the people who went around murdering zombies, like, you know, or killing zombies when they were fighting for their lives are put on trial for going on murderous rampages. <laughs> that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it is actually one of my favorite, uh, right. one of my favorite things. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, he's done, uh, some horror stuff, I guess, but that, yeah, that's probably like, going to be the thing people know him. Uh, from the most, um, and then uh, doing the um, special effects, well, uh, the kaiju si- stuff anyway, is, um, uh, well, the special effects in this are uh, effects supervisor Kiyotaka Taguchi, um, who, uh, in a post-millennium Godzilla world, um, he's like the big guy right now, and he, he does a lot of the Ultraman stuff, but uh, what he's really good with is you know he has a lot of out there original concepts that he does like his own short films and tom have you seen gahara the long and dark-haired yeah, monster yeah. yeah i love Gahara. yeah yeah he he did gahara like he directed gahara like he actually directed the the film but um yeah he's he's uh he's brilliant and you know stuff like this movie really lets him kind of flex a muscle that you know working in the kitty ultraman biz doesn't and if you watch his short films, they're like super violent, usually kaiju stories. So, I mean, someone should give him a full feature. Um, and yeah, Gehara is great. Then uh, mini- Miniature Builder was uh, Hiroshi Sage, who um, he's done some Tsukamoto films, but he's done a lot of uh, um, stuff on Godzilla and Gamera. And, um, so, uh, Henge <laughs> <laughs> uh, is uh, another body horror um, uh, another body horror story. Um, Tom, why don't you tackle the plot synopsis for this okay. one? Okay. I think I... Well, this one's very thin on plot, but I think I remember it. So basically... It's easier, um, to, it's easier to do this one than uh, the, yeah. the last one. So basically, uh, our our main character, this guy, he, he who, uh, from reading other plot synopses, apparently he's a doctor. and I, I don't know if I maybe just didn't pick that up. While I was watching this, he starts uh, having like fits and seizures, and uh, he claims it's from the bugs. And um, so his wife goes to like try and get him help from the hospital where he works, and they're like, "What do you mean the bugs?" And everyone's like, "He just says the bugs. I don't know. He just says bugs." <laughs> um, 
So his wife is like the only person who think there's something physically wrong with him because she sees him having the seizures and she thinks she sees some things like bubbling around under his skin and stuff. So uh, the wife tries to go get him help. Everyone else is convinced that he's just crazy that, you know, maybe he's having epileptic fits, but he's he's crazy uh, and he thinks he's having bugs crawl around on him. Um, so he's Michael Shannon uh, in the movie Bug. Um, it's a great movie, by the way. That is a great movie. Um, so, but the wife tries to get him some help. He gets committed to a uh, mental uh, institution. Um, he ends up breaking out of the mental institution. So the wife tries to go get him help from like a spiritual healer. And um, while the spiritual healer is, you know, chanting or something, he has like another fit. And then uh, says, ah, I'm just kidding. I was just joking with you. But like the spiritual person is like, no, there's something way wrong with this guy. She freaks him out or he freaks her out and she leaves. Um, later, it turns out that the that woman turns out to have been um, murdered. And the wife starts thinking maybe the husband is involved. And then the husband like starts to actively metamorphosize uh, in front of her. Um. She's able to kind of keep him under control with some drugs. Like she's able, she gets um, the the hospital when he escapes is like, if he ever comes here, if he ever shows up, you know, give him a shot of this. It'll, it'll, you know, paralyze him and you'll be able to, you know, constrain him until we could come pick him up. Um, so she's able to control him for a bit at first, but then she starts to like see what's happening to him and she realizes it is physical. It's not mental. And so she starts helping him to to kill people because she loves him and he's like listen this is just happening to me and we have to just go with it um at one point he i think he says or, or she's having a conversation with someone else about him who says that he uh he basically thinks that he is like the voice of all uh the voiceless creatures of the world now so he's like uh, somehow channeling animal spirits or something. Um, but uh, the police come to investigate because, you know, there's increasing disappearances. Uh, he kills the police officers. They both go on the run. And in the final five minutes of the movie, uh, maybe eight minutes of the movie, when they have him cornered, and they're about to take him down, and they're actually about to take his wife down, too. He transforms further into a giant kaiju and goes on a rampage. Uh, and that's basically the way the movie ends. Well, and then tanks come and start shooting at him, and then he gets even bigger, and, like, the skyscrapers just, are, like, up to his ankles. Yeah, the, the movie <laughs> just ends with him being, like, bigger than uh, Godzilla Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, it's bizarre, uh, film. Um, uh, but, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this will be, because hmm. I feel like the thing that I thought was the most interesting could also be the thing that some people might think is not so good. So, uh <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen um well i'll uh, uh all right i'll i'll let tom go first um this is it, it's it's weird uh i think it comes for me this comes actually really 
really close to being something I think really special and interesting. Um, and I think it's interesting no matter what, but I think it comes really, really close to being something like really special that you would walk away from after 55 minutes or even if they tacked on another 10 minutes, like an hour and be like, holy crap, that was amazing. I, I, I can't believe that, you know, I haven't heard of this before. Um, what it's missing is something that Tetsuo which is only 12 minutes longer has. And that's, um, that's a reason for anything that happens. Um, so, so Tetsuo has like about eight minutes before we get into all the body horror stuff of a guy who's driving, driving around and he hits, he runs over someone with his car and dumps the body in the ravine. And you're like, Oh, the, the, what ends up happening to this guy is, is sort of a, a revenge um, for for what he did to this this the, I think they call the guy the metal fetishist or something like yeah, that the fetishist yep um so that's what Tetsuo has what this movie doesn't have is that um and it didn't even necessarily have to be like a why as much as maybe uh, it, it could have been a why or a how of like why this guy why he's transforming like just something there to to tether it to to anything um and it, what's interesting to me though is i get or at least i think i get uh what is happening to him but i don't necessarily get get why and how um well, the what i mean there's a few like uh like I, I mean there's some implications that it could be demonic and then yeah the thing with like he's the voice of the voiceless creatures um, yeah you know that, it gets that was there a little bit yeah so I, he speaks I do, in tongues and he says you know um and the yes the tongue that he speaks in i'm glad you mentioned that because the thing he speaks in they say oh whoever's like like the detective or whatever that's working on it says oh this is um this is you know my my scholars or researchers or whatever tell me that um this is an ancient language that people believe was used in a time when humans and animals used to talk to each other, and this is the language that they spoke. Because um, it's never translated or anything in the movie for us when it's spoken. Um, so it, it gets into this. It gets into like a lot of a lot of ideas of like exploring love, um, the extent of love, the limitations of love, the power of love, um, what you'll do in the name of love. Um, some other '80s songs, <laughs> also, <laughs> but no, it, it, uh, it, it you know, because if this is a language that humans and animals used to speak to each other back when humans and animals were more connected, and then throughout the course of the movie, towards the end of the movie specifically, the wife and the husband actually speak it to each other. Is it a language of love, right? Um, so there's a lot of themes going on and there's a lot of interesting things happening. And I like this idea that like he is some sort of a monster fueled by um, this language of love and uh, voiceless creatures, you know, finally like rebelling against mankind. And everything that he's doing is out of a combination of love for his wife and love for these creatures. And it's just something that he has to do. It's sort of instinctual. Um, and to a certain extent, he maybe almost represents the earth himself, I think. 
But what it's missing is just that little, little bit that's like, why him? Why is this happening? You know, like we we're thrown we're thrown right into it. We don't ever get to know who this guy was before. It almost feels like this we're, started we're, happening. We're dropped into the middle of a movie. Yes, yes. Like like we missed the first act. Yeah. Um, and if it had that, and like I said, Tetsuo does it in in only twelve minutes longer than than this movie does it. If it if it had that little piece, I think this would be something really great, honestly. Yeah, I'm kind of with you in the the ideas are there. Um but yeah, I think it's just kind of missing some of the glue to kind of hold them uh together. Um I mean, my my overall feelings uh I mean, I I love body horror and I talked about Cronenberg's films and I mean his most famous is The Fly, obviously. So, I mean, and that's probably going to be the one that people are going to uh, compare this to the most. Um, and, and I get what you're saying about the why, and I even agree. But for me, that's not the biggest thing. For me, the biggest thing is, you kind of touched on it, you know, we don't know who these people are before any of this goes down. We don't get much of them in, you know any of our time spent with them we really the only thing we really know about them is their problems and uh like you said this is a a love story and um like the fly it's about a love story that is crumbling around this person's physical and mental um metamorphosis into another creature um now with the fly you have jeff goldblum and gina davis who were just amazing together and so likable and you know they're people that you knew before you know seth brundle starts to fall apart and so you know you have a real heart there you have you're you're invested in these people and you want to see them you know come out of the this situation okay um and for me that's what this is missing and i i think yeah if you throw another like you said, I mean, it really doesn't take much to get you there. Um, if you really just throw threw in, you know, 10 minutes-ish of, you know, spending more time with these people, um, you know, show us that, you know, it's, they're, they're a fun couple, they're a charming couple, they're a loving couple, whatever you, what, what have you. Um, and I think this would be, fantastic as is you know that's a big piece that's kind of missing for me um and uh you know i mean obviously this is super low budget so i'm not gonna pick on some of the technical stuff too much but um you know it has that kind of flat uh digital look to it um and uh you know but yeah i mean it that's that's kind of a sidebar but yeah with, with me it's just more more time spent with the characters would would make it work better especially once the wife you know she gets to the turning point where she's killing people and bringing them home to feed her her husband who's turning into this this creature um you know i mean do we know that she would do that she would make that kind of leap to do something like you know we don't know enough about her to be like oh she would or wouldn't do that you know um uh and yeah that's kind of how i feel about the story itself um 
Man. Well, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I think some ahead. of that just to just to play off of that ties into like it ties into why, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you give me an, if you give me enough about these characters, and you could you know one of the things about the characters could be that he is like, I don't know, a, a linguist. I mean, they say it, apparently he's a doctor, but we but I never picked up on that. So, but like you know, he he could be a linguist who's studying the the language, right? And that ends up helping him communicate with nature, and boom, he's you know, or it could, he could be a just someone who cares a lot about nature, you know, and like it ends up just like having such a profound effect on like if you if you tell me enough about the characters, you get into why it happens in a roundabout way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um so I think I think it's we're talking kind of the same complaint. And and like you said, like it doesn't take much. Like think about it from last year. Um every single person I think, I hope Maybe not every single person, but certainly I would I would think every single person our age who walked into that movie knew that Georgie was getting his arm ripped off. Like mm-hmm. and and yet in the first what two, five minutes of that movie, you feel awful about it. Like you're you're so invested in, in those two characters, you don't want anything to happen to them. And it and that movie did it in, in like a couple minutes. And so yeah, it doesn't take much to to get you invested enough in what's happened. Now it's again, it's not a super easy thing to do, but it is something that you just lay that little bit of groundwork and it, and it goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. Matt, how, how do you feel about, um, well, I guess the, the, you know, the story, the characters. I was fully on board until the last 10 minutes, which is probably the thing I imagine bird is, is, interested in a lot but but for me like that's the part that it kind of goes off the rails because I, I liked there's this very slow build up where he, it takes forever for him to start changing into this creature and it happens kind of in stages like first one like a leg goes or like then an arm goes and he's got both of them and then and then he's finally that that full creature and then the wife ends up helping him kill people so that, he, so that you know she can help feed him and that turn right there, I was like, okay, I see this is doing something a bit different. It, the wife is now sympathetic towards them and towards his plight. And then all of a sudden, he's 20,000 feet tall, bigger than mountains, and stomping through a city kind of out of nowhere. And for me, it's that piece at the very end that, as you guys kind of talked about, not having the other details as to why that might happen, what that might represent, that's the part that really just falls flat. I mean, I love any sort of giant monster thing, but... The, the story that they tell to get to that part doesn't fit the ending that we see. And I think that's my biggest issue with it because everything else for me worked well enough to where I was very much invested. And then I just saw the end and was like, I, it, it kind of ruined it for me, to be honest. Uh, well, do you guys want to talk about the ending? Man, guy who runs Kaiju podcast says Kaiju stuff sucks. <laughs> Godzilla is good all the time or something. That's what uh, I hear. Well, I mean, I, I can explain to you why the ending worked for me. Um, well, first of all, I mean, I just love when you get something so off the wall and so unpredictable um, that you're really just kind of like, wow, I, don't, I didn't see it going there. Um, and that's what this ending is. I mean, like... I think about some of the endings I like in, you know, some of Takashi Miike's films, like Dead or Alive. Um, have either of you seen Dead or Alive? 
no. No, but I think of like Yakuza Apocalypse, which has a very similar ending. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a good example. Dead or Alive might have the most unpredictable and insane ending maybe ever. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you're going to be really split on whether it works for you or not. Um, and I, I think endings like this work in, for me personally, in films like this that are already kind of surreal and you know not really giving you you know not really spoon feeding you everything and so you know when something when it gets when it goes full-blown absurd you know that that's the kind of thing that like wins wins me over a little bit because you know it's something that is just so out of this world and it's already kind of within the the realm of the bizarre which is kind of what we're playing with um and as for the actual rampage, um, I, I think that it works for the character because that's when, I mean, the, the whole movie, you see him just trying to survive. But I think at that point, he's fully morphed into this creature, which speaking of Tetsuo is a complete, you know, it looks a lot like something out of Tetsuo. But that's neither here nor there. But that's when you really see him... Uh, just kind of unleash all this rage at the world, at the human race. Um, and, you know, and I think that's where some of Tom's um, comments about, you know, his, his, the, the, the connection with nature and earth kind of come in. Um, and one thing that uh, with the actual Kaiju rampage that is interesting, I, I, is that, you know, he, he picks up buildings and shakes them and, you know, this is a, it's totally Taguchi because the man's obsessed with violence, but you, you see the, you know, you see people falling out of the buildings and splatting onto the ground. And, you know, that's something you don't really see in, in a a movie like this usually. But I mean, to me that it just, that kind of has an undercurrent of, you know, this is, this is a monster that is ready to wipe out the human race. And that's kind of exemplifying just how, tiny and minuscule we are you know um and so i mean that's why it worked personally to me you know and while he's doing it he's speaking in the the tongues you know the the language of the you know voiceless creatures or whatever you know he's like screaming in that this this strange language so i don't know i mean that's kind of why where for me i think it works thematically and just you know is something that you know is like oh wow that's really a strange thing that uh, you don't see every day. <laughs> That's my <laughs> no, take I love, on it. I love the fact that the building was shaking. That was awesome. Like you said, that's just something you don't get to see in a lot of these, a lot of these movies. Um, especially these days as they've, as we've skewed more and more towards basically being kid friendly. Yeah. Um, Imagine if King Kong did that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, Kong Skull Island is the closest in terms of, of modern day um, kaiju movies of us actually getting to see some some pretty significant human um, scars or side effects or whatever you want to call them. Uh, we don't get to see it that much. Um you know, Godzilla was one we thought we were going to see it, and it, it kind of shied away from it for for obvious reasons. Ultimately, um, but yeah, it's I like 
I like seeing it. It's it, and like you said, just to see him pick up like a whole building and shake the people out of it. You know, like like a uh, an even exaggerated, you know, more kaiju sized or daikaiju sized version of the the log scene in a way yeah. uh, from the original Kong. You know, where you're shaking a whole building. And, instead and, and of, I mean, like. A monster doesn't do that unless he's specifically trying building. to kill people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like and then it. He, and then he throws the building into the other building. Yeah, into another building. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what, what, uh, did anything about that ending work for you besides people falling out of buildings? No, I, well, I mean, I think I touched on it before is, is me saying like it, um, you know, it it, uh, it it plays into the what I'm taking away as the themes of the movie. You know, and and his the it being sort of this this language of possibly love, um, and him being strengthened by um, his both his rage and his love for his wife, and this this notion of being possibly representing even nature itself. And, you know, the more we try to fight it, like the more of a problem it's going to become, um, you know, the, the more we try to, th- that's just kind of what I was reading into it. You know, the, the more we, we try and fight against all the things that nature is telling us by, um, actively actually killing people, which has been happening kind of a lot lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't say, <laughs> The, the the more it's going to become a bigger and bigger problem until like at a certain point you can't ignore it anymore you know so off with this guy you know oh he eats a he kills a girl and everyone's like oh it's just some girl you know and then he then he kills a couple more people it's like oh well you know like maybe we'll kind of sort of look into it now you know and then it's like oh he kills someone that matters and it's oh now we have to do something about it but you're doing the wrong thing about it, so uh, it becomes more of a problem and more of a problem until it's the size of the world itself, and you can't ignore it, and you can't even hope to fight it anymore. Um, and so that's like just kind of me taking that away from it, just from a couple of little hints and lines of it possibly being about him representing nature in some way itself. Um, it did work for me because it's an escalation, uh, somewhat natural, almost escalation, you know, escalation of of happening. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I do think that, um, I mean, Matt's right in that, you know, it's, that's going to be the thing that's going to split people the most. Oh, yeah, because it, you know, I mean, the growth itself comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are probably going to feel the way that he did, where it's like, well, this is a, like a, a riff on a like a Cronenberg story, and now we're we're in you know kaiju territory, and yeah, I mean that that's gonna throw a lot of people off, but um, it's really gonna depend. I mean, it's really gonna depend on your taste, really, and how something that out there and is gonna land for you. Speaking of the rampage sequence, um, I mean, do you guys have anything, any thoughts on the actual effects? They're, I mean, they're fine. I guess they're I generally think. really good. I actually think they're kind of maybe the weakest during the kaiju portion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 
the you know because this guy the whole movie's sprouting tentacles out of who knows where and uh you know hands are turning into weird flipper things and um yeah i mean they're a little on the rubbery uh side um a lot of that might have to do with you know the kind of digital look of it um and yeah the kaiju i mean it's not so the miniatures themselves are pretty good um but uh at least, I mean, I think when I think of someone like Taguchi, I mean, when it comes to Tokusatsu, he's kind of a master, and I'm sure maybe it was budgetary or or whatever. But I I, fe- I do feel like um, the effects in the that sequence are a little below his usual capabilities. Um, I mean, I, I'm assuming that there was you know it's budgetary stuff. Well, the one thing that sticks out to me is. There's one scene where he's the monster and he's stomping around and um, you can actually see a couple of the miniature buildings, like, wobble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> And so, like, yeah, you look at that and you're like, ugh, you know, Taguchi, what are you doing? Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it's weird to say, you know, his effects might be the worst effects in the movie, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the... You know, the actual miniatures and how they're sculpted and stuff is fine, but yeah, when it comes to stuff like that and then, you know, some of the CG explosions and CG blood and stuff is is uh, pretty bad, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what the budget is on this thing. It was probably like $6 or something, so, you know, I don't want, I don't want to pick on it too much, but... Hey, what'd you think of the scene where she um, has sex with the Monster Man? <laughs> uh it i mean you know was it better or worse than the gakidama sex scene that's the real question i think it was way more tasteful yes <laughs> that's an understatement uh i mean it's you way know, more it's way more implied than the gakidama yeah. sex well if anything i think you know it shows that you know she's still loves and cares about him even though he's a you know a, a rubber monster man it's the power of love yeah it, it's an interest it's interesting that um it's lewis in the news we're when we we're usually saying things are too long but in the case in the case of both of these i think they both would have benefited from some uh some added runtime this one i think even more so personally you know like i said gakidama i think could work with what you have if you stripped away like 20 minutes of it this i think if you stripped away 20 minutes would be even even more confusing um but i also think like yeah if you added like 15 minutes to this you could add enough character beats to make it really hit home and work really well yeah i was i was really really close to to like really loving this yeah. But I, I was entertained for the entire 55 minutes, like, very entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, the, the character drama needed, you know, we, we just needed more time with them to care, you know? It, it's, it, 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 but yeah, it's like we said, this is like watching the second and third acts of a movie, you know? It's like you, you skip the, the beginning. How many uh, 
How many wobbly miniature skyscrapers do you give this out of five? Uh, I'm going to go two and a half. I, got, I, I didn't hate it. I just, the, the ending kind of threw me for a loop. And, and based, based on that, primarily like it doesn't it doesn't quite stick the landing for me so it's it's a two and a half it's well, definitely watchable though like it's a strong two and a half well since the ending is the thing that threw you off i mean do you do you kind of feel where we were with the um you know with with just maybe needing some more character stuff to really kind of make make the story matter more i i mean that there's definitely some some truth to that i actually really rather enjoyed the characters for the most part i think for me that transition from like slow gradual creature you know and, and it's, it's it's incredibly slow like it starts with the the bug voices and it, it it's such a slow burn up until i mean for short movie but like the, the transformation stuff is very gradual and all of a sudden he goes boom to to a monster and then all of a sudden he's now taller than a, a mountain out of nowhere and it it goes into that weird like it kind of wants to be Mike crazy, but it's not the kind of movie where I felt like it should have done that. And, and that's what throws me off. It doesn't feel like it, that, you know, the coming out of nowhere thing just throws everything for loop and you have this monster rampage, which should be a lot of fun. But I was kind of enjoying the story they were telling. I wanted to see what was going to happen with the police chase scene and how the wife was going to react. And, you know, she's she goes from protecting him to helping him kill people. I, I wanted to see all that stuff play on not the giant monster rip apart the city as crazy as that is, is that that is for me to say that as, as a lover of giant monster Get things <laughs> i would have rather have seen the other story told and because of all the stuff you guys have already said about you know kind of you almost have to you have to read into what he's doing why he's doing it what he represents it just doesn't feel complete for me did did the rest of, oh tom we didn't give our ratings uh i would uh, <laughs> um well, if Matt Matt's at a two and a half, I I'm probably gonna go with a three. Uh, but um, it could have done. There's quite a few things that it probably could have done rather easily to boost it up to a four. Yeah, I'm um uh, I'm gonna just go a, a smidge above you here and and give it um three and a half. Um. And yeah, just just say that it it could have done like just a couple of things, and it would be an easy four. If it did him well, it'd be like a four and a half, you know. Yeah. Um, it it was really close. Um, but you know, I did enjoy it the whole time, and I think if it were if it were something that were um like more readily available it would be something you know versus something that i'd have to kind of find on the 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 dark internet um <laughs> it would be something i might revisit yeah uh, it's on a few streaming services um i don't know the this the short semi feature format is it's an interesting one it really is because it, it really makes you it's it's um to me, it's the equivalent of the novella, um, you know, in terms of in terms of books. It's like it's clearly too long to be a, a short that is uh, that is just put out as either a short or tacked on to something else, you know. Um, and it's clearly not long enough to be released as a feature. 
Uh, so it's this hour long, it's this weird sort of like nebulous space. Um, but you know, and, and it, it's just weird. Cause it's almost like you almost wonder if, if somewhere somehow people thought they were developing these for like a TV show or something, or if that's how they got their Genesis, you know, like someone saying, Oh, Hey, you know, do this thing for us and we're going to turn it into a TV show. And then that TV show never happens or something, you yeah. know, like, like, uh, cause that's, that's like the length, you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird kind of length, but, um, it is an interesting one when it, you know, I mean, like we said, I, I've mentioned it, the movie a bunch, but Tetsuo the Iron Man is only like 67 minutes long. So it is something that when it works, it can work really, really, really well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, even just look at, you know, episodes of Tales from the Dark Side or Tales from the Crypt or Masters of Horror. I mean, there's some really, really good episodes in, in those shows. Cigarette Burns oh, is yeah, an awesome Burns episode of Masters of Horror. Yeah, uh, Metamorphosis, or Henge, or Henge, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's on Toku, which you can get through Amazon, um, and I know I've seen it on a couple other streaming services, and then uh, Gakidama, is, uh, there is a subtitled version on YouTube, um, so yeah, it's October, and they're really short, so I mean, you know, you... Got an hour to kill before bed or whatever. Throw 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 one of them on. Um, and uh, yeah, I think are we good to go here? Yeah, you have a spooky Halloween. <laughs>